0: Amen. It's, as I look around the sanctuary this morning, I want to say it's so good to see some friends and family who are here from out of town. And Sister Megan, it's great to, always great to have you, uh, here back home. And, uh, also, uh, Sister Mary, it's great to have you back home as well. Amen. We love you and are so thankful that you're here. And, uh, my, Sister and uh, Erica and Gabriel, your family so glad that y'all are up here from uh back home and so so glad that we can we can spend some time with family this weekend. Amen. I know this is a holiday weekend, and today uh perhaps this week you are looking forward to a church picnic. I was looking forward to it myself, and uh, we begin. Early in the week, kind of eyeing the forecast for today, and, and saw that there was a slight chance of rain throughout the week. It continued to creep up more and more. And uh, whether or not it rains the rest of the day or not, uh, we we did decide, you know, what, let's let's make sure that we can have a day that we can all enjoy being together out at the park and and have a good time together. And we didn't want to get, uh, we didn't want to get all of our plans canceled and changed because of that, uh, have you make desserts and, and all, all of that, all for naught, and so we decided to postpone our church picnic. We'll give you some more of those details later, but it's going to be in, in the month of August, and so that's, since we're here today, let's just have church, and we're going to go, and uh, we're going to go to the word of the Lord this morning, if you can grab your Bibles. We are mostly going to be in the book of Matthew, but first I do want to pick up a scripture in Leviticus chapter 11, Leviticus chapter 11, verse 45, and then Matthew chapter, uh, chapter 4 and chapter 5 is where we're going to spend the majority of our time here this morning. And our our text, or our, our subject that we're going to be delving into this morning is the, is what's, what's come been, or become known as the Sermon on the Mount. It is this message that Jesus preached at the beginning of his ministry. And it's a, a message that in many ways serves as a manifesto of Jesus' ministry. It's that, that thing that he is, he is beginning to lay out. What is the kingdom of God? What is the, the things that are, um, that are setting him apart from anything else? What, what is it to be a disciple of Jesus? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? But in order to get the context for this sermon, I I believe that it is essential for us To read this one scripture here in Leviticus chapter 11 verse 45 that tells us, for I am the Lord that bringeth you up out of the land of Egypt. Now, we here today are not coming up out of the land of Egypt. We are not, we have not been slaves in Egypt as those who he is speaking to here, but we have been part, or we are part of this world. We are part of a, a culture that is in many ways a godless culture. It is not, not a culture that is, uh, that is serving God. It's not a culture that honors God. Uh, you, you look around and you see sin abounding in so many places and And you see the bondage, and perhaps you yourself have experienced that that same bondage. Not the the same bondage. You, You haven't physically been bound as the Israelites were bound, but you have been in bondage in your own life. And so he's telling them, he says, I'm bringing you up out of the land of Egypt. I'm taking you from that place of bondage. I'm getting you... From where you were so bound up that it was restrictive. anybody ever you feel restricted when you're bound up? You feel restricted. You, you know, it's it's interesting that in the world they 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 speak of freedom and and how when we put uh, when you put parameters on on how to live and holiness and you have all of these. These things that the scripture would teach us, they would say, "Well, that's, that seems so restrictive, but the reality is bondage is so much more restrictive. The bondage of sin, when you don't have freedom in Christ Jesus, there is a restriction that comes onto your life because you when you lay down at bed at night, lay down to bed at night, you can feel the weight. When you, are, when you wake up in the morning and you, you, you don't know the purpose to which you are called, you feel the weight of the bondage. And so he's speaking to his people here. He says, I'm bringing you out of that bondage. I'm bringing you. I brought you out of that place of Egypt. And I want to be your God. He's a personal God. I, I want to be your God. And ye shall therefore be Holy for I am holy. And this is this essential theme that we see throughout scripture is this theme of holiness. This whole God is a holy God. And as a holy God, he, he that means that he is set apart, that he's different. He is he is unlike anything else. And as a holy God, he desires to have a holy people. And so he says, I brought you out of bondage and out of bondage you come. And now that you're set apart for me, ye shall be holy because I am holy. And so this historical purpose uh, for God's people to have a holy people, a different kind of people, people who have. Uh, not just look different, but they act different. They have different kind of conversation, they have different values, they have different things that uh, that are important to them than what the world would say is important and so this is this is this context this essential context that we have to understand for the sermon that Jesus would delve into at the beginning of his ministry and there's uh there's one other verse I want to catch in Matthew chapter 4 verse 17 where this is Jesus coming out really first for the first time publicly uh as a uh as a minister and he's stepping into his his, his role of ministry and he says uh or says from that time Jesus began to preach and he began to say repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand The kingdom of heaven is at hand. So, I want us to understand today that we are living, even now, in the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is not something that we are looking forward to. We are looking forward to something that is going to be far greater. And there is a heaven that is going to be a perfect place. But Jesus said, I am ushering in right now the kingdom of heaven. I'm ushering in right now a kingdom here on earth in the midst of brokenness, in the midst of sin, in the midst of... Of a culture that is a godless culture. I am bringing in a message. That is the that is going to usher in the kingdom of heaven. Now. You don't have to wait for it. I'm ushering this in. Now. Now. In order to do that. He has to have. A people that would follow him or you could have you could have little old, old Johnny over here that would stand up and declare himself to be a king but unless little Johnny has some subjects and unless he has some lands unless he has a a place to rule he can say that he's king is all that he wants but really it Doesn't mean anything unless he actually has some authority and he has some people to rule over. And uh, we today are gladly, at least I am, I am gladly a part of the kingdom of God. And we are in this world, but I am not of this world. I am present here right now and I'm looking forward to something that is far greater than what I have right now. I'm looking forward to something that is going to surpass anything that we could ever experience here on this earth. And that is heaven. That is the new Jerusalem. That is, that is Zion. That's I'm looking forward to that day. But as long as I am here. As long as I am here. I want to be a representative of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven. That's why, that's why that Jesus says in the Lord's Prayer that we must pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? These, so much of the message of Jesus was about creating a kingdom here on earth establishing a kingdom, establishing a God rule here on earth. And there's a lot of things that we have to understand about kingdoms. And the one is the most important is that a kingdom is ruled by a king. It's not a democracy. (laughs) It's not... Not something to, uh, it's not something that, that we all get a vote on. But there is one that rules. There is one that's on the throne. And that's, that one who is on the throne is God. And he, he is the one who has established, uh, established the culture for his kingdom. And I'm thankful that it's not a democracy because the reality is as much as I am thankful for our democracy, as much as I am thankful for uh, this, this, uh, land that, that we are able to, to live in today. And, I mean, this is, this is the weekend of 4th of July, Independence Day. And, you know, there's, there's, uh, you know, a wonderful, uh, this is a wonderful country that we live in. And I'm thankful that it was, it was built upon, or it was built upon praying people. And it was built upon Christian, values. And I'm, I'm very thankful for that. But but even being built upon Christian values, there is uh, this this doesn't compare at all to really what it would be like if it was a God ruled country, a theocracy, a a theocracy that that's really what uh, what God's desire was for his people. But uh, there was there was even even our forefathers of, of The United States, they recognized, they recognized the, the importance of establishing our, establishing our uh, nation upon godly principles. It was John Adams, the second president of the United States, that wrote in his diary on February 22nd, 1756. He said, suppose a nation in some distant region should take the Bible for their only law book. And every member should regulate his conduct by the precepts there exhibited. Every member would be obliged in conscience to temperance, frugality, and industry, to justice, kindness, charity toward his fellow men, to piety, love, and reverence toward toward the Almighty God. He said, what a utopia. What a paradise would this region be be i'm thankful for men who at the beginning at the birth of this nation men who did have that perspective and i'm not saying they were perfect men i'm not saying that they were uh that they were men who uh had everything right but i'm thankful that they that we do live in a nation that was built on godly principles and and they were built on the prayers of of those people but uh, but today, if we could really have a nation that was established and a, as the kingdom of God, if we could really have have a the America be something that was uh, that was ruled by the kingdom culture, then what how, how much better off would we be how much How much better off would, would we be living in a culture today that was fully the kingdom of God established here on earth? And it's, it's the prayer, the prayers of his people. It's his, it's the duty of the church to say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so, and so let us today begin to bring this kingdom culture to life. And, and so this is, this is what Jesus is doing within this Sermon on the Mount is he is bringing to light a kingdom culture. He is contrasting the world to the culture that God wants to have established. And it's very different. It's very different the, the way that the world sees good and how God sees good. It's very different how the world sees sees liberty and how God sees liberty. The world sees liberty as something that is liberty from any kind of rulership over you, any kind of authority over you. But that the truth is that is not liberty. Liberty would be to have the rule and reign of the one who knows all and who has my best interest in mind and to have him established as the one that can set, set me free from any kind of bondage that I'm in. I'm, I have been, I have been, uh, I've, I have the liberty of being set free from bondage. And that can only happen by ha- having him as the king of my life. That can only happen by having his, the kingdom culture established in my life. And so let's, let's dive into this sermon. We're going to go into Matthew chapter five, beginning in verse number three. Let me get there myself. Matthew chapter five, beginning in verse three. It says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Here we have that kingdom of heaven phrase again, the same phrase that Jesus used in uh, the previous chapter. It says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemaker, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and shall persecute you, shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Now, this opening uh, portion of this this sermon that Jesus dives into here is often called the Beatitudes. These are these, uh, these principles of Christian character. These principles of what it means to be part of the kingdom culture. And he dives into these beatitudes and begins to list these, these different attributes. These The one who is poor in spirit. The ones who mourn. The ones who are meek. The ones who they would hunger and thirst after righteousness. The ones who are merciful, he, he points out. He points out this attribute of being pure in heart and being a peacemaker. I was a, uh, I was the camp director over our, our teen camps uh, this past couple of weeks, and I brought that scripture up several times during our junior high camp. That, uh, all right, guys. I know, I know that uh, you, kind of getting on each other's nerves, but let's be peacemakers. With one another, we're not we're not here to cause tension, or when tension is there, we're we're not here to 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 help that to to continue to bubble up. But let's be peacemakers. It says, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Amen. These are not easy things, but these are attributes of those who would be part of the kingdom. Those who would be reviled, or those who would be reviled and persecuted, and and have people speak falsely of them. These are. These are the ones who are pointed out as being part of a kingdom culture. And the Beatitudes, uh, as, as he's diving in here, we can kind of see them in a couple of different categories. These first these first uh, three uh, mentions of, of different attributes might be seen as something that is uh, those who are Empty in some sorts. They're empty. It's poor in spirit. Ones who are mourning. Why they're mourning? Because they're empty. They've they've lost something. They're mourning. The ones who are meek. Okay. The ones who are lowly. The ones. That they, that they don't have much and meekness, it's, it's not cowardice, but it's, it's patience and it's, it's long suffering. That's what, that's what meekness really is. It's not being a coward. It's not, it's not cowering to somebody's presence or cowering to some circumstance. No. Meekness is having patience. It's having long suffering. It's saying that, that I don't always have to be standing up and being in control of everything. But it's it's being OK with relinquishing control to somebody else and, and especially to God. It's it's emptying ourselves of the pride that that sometimes we carry ourselves with. And it's allowing God's spirit to help us be patient. It's it's allowing, you know, even if the whole world is against me. Jesus promised us that we shall inherit the earth. Even if everything is, is is showing up and and it, it looks like there is an impossibility that 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 this is all going to work out, God says that the meek shall inherit the earth. How how is that possible? The, the meek ones are not the soldiers. A soldier is not meek. Somebody who inherits the earth, somebody who would come in, and I mean, I think of a a an army like progressing. You know, across across a nation, across a, uh, you know, map, and they're they're taking territory, and they're they're taking the earth, and and but yet God says, no, 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 it's not about your strength, it's not about your power, it's not about your might. How you gain territory is by trusting in me, being patient. Not being prideful, but but being meek and lowly, and and understanding that God is going to fight my battles. See, God, He, he takes these and these these three, and I want to I want to focus in on the on these um, first three attributes of those who are in in the kingdom, the poor in spirit, the ones who mourn, and the ones who are meek. This says of the poor in spirit that theirs is going to be the kingdom of heaven. Those who mourn they are the ones who shall be comforted. Those who are meek, they are the ones who shall inherit the earth. This fact is that God has never promised us that just because we are part of His kingdom, that everything is going to work out and be easy. It's going to work out. I needed to finish that phrase because all things will work out for the good to them who... Love God and who are called according to his purpose. All things are going to work out for the good to them who love God. But that just because it's going to work out for the good doesn't mean that it's going to feel good. It doesn't mean that it's, it's always going to just like be comfortable and cushy living. The kingdom of God doesn't mean that we're living in castles or, or living you know, on, in, in, in comfortable quarters. Now God, he allows us to go through trials. He allows us to have times of mourning. He allows us to have times where we are feeling poor in spirit. So that we learn to trust him. So that we learn to lean on him. So that we learn that it's not of my self but it's of him it, he he's the one that is his culture and his kingdom that shall that shall cover the earth it's 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 not my kingdom it's not about doing this my way it's not about having all the toys in the garage it's not about having the biggest house. It's not about having the best job. It's not about all of that. Now, I believe that blessings will come and that if we, if we serve God, that God will bless his people, but that doesn't mean that we aren't going to have hardships that come our way. And, and so when the times of mourning, he does have a promise for those and he says that they shall be comforted. So if you are the one who today is, is feeling empty, if you today are the one who is feeling as though, uh, as though your tank is getting drained, let me tell you, there is a promise on the other side of that, that God says, don't you worry, you are part of the kingdom and you shall be comforted. Comfort is coming. Those who are meek, you shall inherit the earth. Those who are poor in spirit, yours is the kingdom of heaven. Now, it takes a little bit of a shift after those first three. And it says, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Ones who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Now, now it gets to something that uh, is is not just about our circumstance. It's not just about uh, who we are. But now... It is something that is welling up inside of us. And you have a hunger. You have a desire for that which is righteous. And God is, is, or Jesus is presenting here a kingdom culture. A kingdom culture for his people. He's saying, if you're going to hunger and thirst after anything, let's hunger and thirst after righteousness. Now what does it mean to hunger and thirst after righteousness? Righteousness. What does righteousness mean? Righteousness, if you were to, to break that out or kind of a, look at that as a compound word, you have the very first portion of it that says right. Righteousness is doing that which is right. It's acting in a right way. It's making things right. Now, it's not easy to always make things right. It's not always easy to hunger and thirst after setting things right in our life. I know in a congregation of the size here this morning that there's some of us today who this week you had some things that came up that uh, that are still have not been made right between you and somebody else. That there are things that happen. Maybe it wasn't this week, but there, there's things that, that we can get offended by. There's things perhaps that we offend others by how we, we do or by, by think something that we might do. There is something perhaps that we don't even realize that, that we offended somebody or there's something that we did that, that that hurts somebody. And, and righteousness is making things right. Righteousness is the apology. Now we don't. It's really hard to give. It's the apology that's really hard. Difficult to extend. But righteousness is apologizing. Even when it's hard. Righteousness is forgiving Even when we don't feel like forgiving. Righteousness, if I can say it like Brother Soto did at family camp on Friday. Righteousness is not just having a truce. But it's actually coming in unity with those who we are fighting with. And been having some struggles with. It's not just a truce to say, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna keep our spaces." And it, this can even happen inside the home. This can happen between husband and wife. The truce that can that can just be there, and it's you know we're. we're we're not in unity, but we're, we're in a truce right now. And, and, and what God is wanting in His culture is not just a truce to be there. He's not just wanting us just to have walls and barriers between us and others. No, He's saying, I want you to pursue righteousness. I want you to pursue making things right. See, righteousness is that, is those people who would begin to come and they see something wrong and they step in and they say something about it. Righteousness is a church that is willing to stand up for that which is right. Righteousness is not staying silent when it's easy to stay silent. Righteousness is coming Coming up and being bold and saying, "I know that th- it's it's easier to just stand back and not say anything, but but you cannot abuse uh, this person like you're abusing them, or and it's not being ugly about it. It's not being it's not not coming in and and just trying to tick everybody off. But righteousness is to stand for truth. It's to stand for God. It's to stand for that which is right." Today, and more and more and more, this world and the culture that we are living in is calling good, evil, and evil good. Righteousness is standing and saying there is male and female. Righteousness is a church that's not afraid to stand for some of the very fundamental truths of who, of our identity and who God made us. And, and it's not about choosing your own gender or choosing your own identity. God created me in His image and I was created just how He meant for me to be. And it's not for me to choose. And righteousness is to stand for the one way that God for, for my identity and that is wrapped up in Him. And so as a righteous, those who would hunger and thirst after righteousness. It would be to say that I am not just going to stand back and allow the culture of this world to encroach upon my home and upon my church and upon my the school that my kids go to. I am going to stand up for righteousness because righteousness is a kingdom kingdom. Culture, And when you stand up for righteousness, when you hunger and thirst after righteousness, he says, you shall be filled. I can tell you that when you stand in the face of adversity, when you stand for that which is right, it can feel draining. You can feel beat up. And like, man, I don't know if I can do this anymore. But His promise is that you shall be filled. Now that can only happen when you are in the kingdom of God and you're uh, abiding in Him, and you're allowing you're spending time with the King, and and you're allowing you're allowing Him to fill you up. So those who hunger. And thirst after righteousness shall be filled. Now, I, I was just talking a lot about, about standing up for that which is right. But the first place where we must hunger and thirst after righteousness is in our own life. I'm not The first area is not looking at everybody else and what they need to do. The first area is for myself. And to stand for righteousness for myself. And we can have all these beliefs and say... I believe the word of God. I believe that this is the truth and not live it. Right? It's possible. Not just possible, but it's, it is happening all the time that we, we have these, these beliefs that we say that we have, that we subscribe to, and that we believe that this is the truth, and yet, and and yet it is, it's easy for us to, wander from those beliefs and have areas of our life that do not match up the way that we live uh, does not match up to our belief. And in those areas, what we need to do is to begin to hunger and thirst after righteousness. We need to begin to say, God, I can't keep doing this. Even when I feel like, there's, there's nothing wrong with this. God, if your word says it, then I believe it, and I'm going to change my actions. I'm going to change the way that I am living my life to match up to your word. And that's where righteousness starts. That's where the hunger and the thirst has to start for us, is that within us, that we would hunger and thirst after righteousness. It says, blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the merciful. The ones who are merciful are the ones who they have compassion for the people who are in need. A mercy is distinguished from grace in that, that mercy in the, in the Greek, it's this word, uh, elios. And it's, it's uh, always dealing with It's always dealing with what we see of pain and misery and distress. Pain, misery, distress. These are all results of sin. Now, charis is the Greek word for grace. And that always deals with the sin and the guilt itself. And so it's by the grace of God that I have been saved. But the mercy of God... Is how I deal, or, or, or the mercy of God is is Him dealing with the effects of sin. The mercy of God is dealing with the the things that are the, uh, you know that, that that we have in our life because of sin. And so, uh, and so for us to have mercy on others to, is to say that you know if they if they are not a Jesus follower, if they are not a disciple of Christ then there's some things that they are doing right now that are the effects of not living in a kingdom culture that I'm just going to have to have mercy on them. I'm going to show mercy on somebody else. See, Jesus, He doesn't specify the categories of people that He has in mind to His disciples for, for His disciples to show mercy upon them. He, he doesn't say, you know, that there is, there's no indication for him to say uh, that it's just the ones who they are, they are, you know, come to church once. Or it's, or it's not just the ones who, who sit next to you at church every week. It's not, it's not, it's not just the ones who, who they, uh, you know, they are easy to, to hang around. And so you show them Mercy. They're, they're fun. It's not just the fun people. It's, it's not just the ones who look like you. It's not just the ones who act like you. No, he doesn't categorize those to whom we would show mercy. His mercy and his grace is for all. In fact, Jesus is pretty clear with uh, in, in outside of this teaching, uh, outside of the Sermon on the Mount, with those to whom we should show mercy. And in his day... The ones who would be the least expected to receive mercy would be the Samaritans. And yet Jesus uses them as the example, the prime example of the ones who would be shown mercy in a time when they have been downtrodden and in the time when they have, uh, when, when they just need some help. And we, as the people of God, must be mercy givers. We must be merciful people. And as merciful people, he, he promises us that, uh, that we will, uh, that we will have mercy that will be shown towards us as well. That those who are merciful, they shall obtain mercy. My goodness, I was not paying attention to time. It is already time to wrap up here this morning. Amen. I, I do want, uh, to continue just, just real quick as we wrap up. Here today is it talks about those who are pure in heart, those who are pure in heart. Let us today, as I was just speaking of with righteousness, let us today have a purity in our heart. Let us seek after purity. If you're today living a double life, let me just let me just challenge you to lean on the spirit. If you today have an area, it doesn't have to be, you know, in every area of your life. You have some areas of your life where it's as if you are living a double life. Let me just challenge you here this morning to trust God to help you to be an overcomer in those areas. And maybe you've prayed that prayer many times. But I'm telling you that God is able to help you to be an overcomer in the areas of your life that you are struggling in. And He can help you to have a pure Heart and a pure mind and pure motives, and all that you do, because uh, it's only through that that we that they shall see God. And then, last, uh, lastly, it talks about the persecution those who be persecuted. And here today, I believe that persecution is simply the clash between two irreconcilable value systems that Jesus. He was introducing a value system that was so countercultural. And he's calling us into the kingdom of God. He's calling us into a kingdom culture. And so today, I just want to challenge the church. Don't try to take on and, and live according to the culture of this world. Let's embrace the kingdom culture. There's so much more that that we'll continue to dive into in the Sermon on the Mount, but so much more about the kingdom culture that God wants wants us to begin to to establish here on earth. and It can only be established when the church is doing it themselves, when the church is living this out. But the life that God blesses is the life that is living according to God's culture. And when we do that... There's persecution that's going to come our way. There's heart, heartache and there's hardship that's going to come. But as long as we keep our mind on Jesus, as long as we keep our value system on Him, He will be there for us in the midst of persecution. He will be there with us even when our name is being slung through the mud. God, He will fight my battles he will be the one who will stand up for me he'll be the one i don't i don't have to always take that stand for myself god will take a stand for me god will send somebody in to defend my character god will send somebody in or he'll make a way where it feels like feels like i need to step in and i need to. i need to prove who i am no god will do it god will do it i am so thankful I'm so thankful for the kingdom culture. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that today that we don't have to live according to the ways of this world. That I don't have to be bound by the culture of this world. But today I can be set free in Jesus Christ. I am set free in Jesus Christ. Amen. Why don't we, why don't we just stand all around this place? And I know we have all of our Sunday school classes that you're making your way back in. Here this morning, and as as we do so, let's just lift up our hands. And as we lift up our hands, I just want us to pray that that, that prayer that is that is part of the Lord's prayer, that thy kingdom come, that thy will would be done here on earth as it is in heaven god i pray that in my own life lord that you would allow your kingdom to be established in me god that your kingdom culture god would be, would begin lord to uh to come alive inside of me lord i pray that i would not uh i would not resist I would not resist the, the changes that you're trying to make in me. God, that I wouldn't resist the culture of God, the kingdom of heaven. Lord, but that the church today, God, that we would be an apostolic church, that we would be a church, God, that is founded upon the apostles doctrine and then in the, the teachings of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, we worship you. Thank you, Jesus. Sing that one more time. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Why don't you just put your hands together if you're thankful for what you feel in this place. If you're thankful for God and all that He's done for you. He is a good God. Amen. Amen. He is a righteous God. He's a holy God. I'm so thankful that He cares for His people. Amen. Well, I just want to say again here today, I'm so glad to be in the house of the Lord. Why don't we, before our As I bring uh, Brother Josh up here, why don't you just greet somebody in the name of the Lord here this morning, somebody who you have not yet spoken to today, amen, why don't you just hug their necks, shake their hands, amen, just tell them how thankful you you are that they are here today. So if we can get the ushers to come, we'll get ready to take up our, our tithes and offerings today.
1: As they're getting ready to come, we do have some announcements we'll go over today because we don't have a video announcement. Um,
0: next Sunday is going to be a dessert auction for, uh, for our youth. So they're trying to raise some more funds to go to NAYC. So Brother Caleb wanted me to make sure you need to bring your money to buy some desserts. And he still needs a few more desserts. So if someone wants to volunteer to make them, that'd be great. But he's not afraid to go hunt you down uh, and ask you to do it. So next Sunday is our dessert auction. And then this Wednesday, we're going to kick off some new...